Welcome, everybody, to the October 13th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic DeZuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on Colorado's marijuana sales reaching $1 billion, that's billion with a B, as of August of 2017, including revenue spent both on medical and recreational marijuana. The numbers have grown at a faster rate compared to the same time last year. Patty Calhoun from Westward, the growth of marijuana is no uh, strange topic for you. But now we've got to that magic word of billion. Is this going to turn more heads? Is this going to make a difference? Well, yes, it certainly made a difference at my office, and we thank you all for spending that money. It's two months earlier than last year when we hit a billion, which is interesting when you've got Nevada on sales, you've got California sales starting, you've got Washington and Oregon much more ramped up than they were. So... The, the interest in consuming marijuana in one form or another for one reason or another is certainly growing, and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. When we see numbers like this happening in August and billions, you know, that, that's a big number. Do you think this pushes some cities to reconsider that they're missing the boat here? Um. No, because I, I think they've made a decision. They, they knew right from the start that they were giving up sales tax and other revenue, and they made a decision based on their view of quality of life, as our Colorado Constitution uh, protects uh, their autonomy in, in, in choosing to do that. And I think we should, that, that's the right path to do. Cities like Denver or Boulder uh, are making a lot of money from taxes, but if uh, you know, Greenwood Village doesn't want to do that, they, they don't have to. I think that, that's fair. I'm not sure, you know, Remember, this was all, almost all of it likely in the underground economy before. You know, there may well have been a billion-dollar business, in, in, in fact, even more than that, because the risk premiums when it was illegal. So it's just been brought into the sunshine where it can be, among other things, regulated heavily and very heavily taxed with over $150 million in tax revenues. Eric Sonnen, political analyst, when you see headlines like this, maybe the cities may not reconsider here in Colorado. I can understand that. But does it get other attention in states that are not among the 33 who have already legalized some form of marijuana, saying, that's a lot of money? I think it might. Uh, I think it has hit a tipping point when you have 33 states. There will always be some outliers that all 17 are not going to follow, but some more will follow. Um, I track a direct correlation between this billion-dollar news and the upgrades we've seen in Patty's wardrobe, the, the black sweater I hear about a week ago and whatever. I think there is a direct correlation there. I mean, real quickly, I think there are th three things driving here. One is Colorado's population is growing. There are more consumers here. Two, the demographics of that population are changing. Again, more consumers. And three, it is that tipping point. Uh, it, it is an economic boon to the state. There is no question. Uh, the public, whether it is a public health boon, time will tell, and that, that verdict will not be in for some time. Penfield Tate rounds up the panel, attorney with QTAC Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. 
Is a headline like this a major win for the industry? I, I think it is. Um, but the major win is not the headline. It's the subtitle, which is $162 million in sales tax revenues uh, and receipts to local governments. Uh, that's the real headline, and that's the real story. The other thing that, that this story, I think, is going to drive is, to Eric's point, about 33 states having legalized in some fashion, it, it, not all 17 will follow. But enough of the 17 will follow where we're reaching the point where it's going to compel the federal government to take a different look at this. We're no longer going to be able to be a country where the federal government treats it as a Schedule I um, narcotic and, and a federal offense, and 33-plus states have legalized some fashion of marijuana consumption. It's just not going to last any longer. So Jeff Sessions is going to have to find something else to rant and rave about. But I think this battle is just about done. The Colorado Office of Economic Development and International Trade has finalized its list of proposed locations for Internet giant Amazon to consider for new headquarters. The undisclosed list of eight Denver metro area locations will be submitted for final approval on October 16th, creating mixed feelings among residents and business owners. Petty, this is a big deal. I think maybe Denver in a different time would be really, really excited. I, I've always loved your example of Denver being the Sally Field of cities, really wanting people to like us. But it's almost like now we're getting a little, little too many people liking us, and folks are pretty, uh, they're not as excited as I would expect it for this, idea, this whole proposal. What's your take? Well, and according to city boosters and state boosters, we want people to like us so much that we're willing to pay them to like us. That hasn't <laughs> gone away. And I think that's the biggest issue that's coming up with Amazon. If Amazon, which says they want kind of the size of their Seattle campus, the feel of their Seattle campus, Colorado would be a Denver would be a natural. They wouldn't even care that we have pot. Remember when that was going to be a big problem? No one would want to come here because of pot. <laughs> Uh, if they just wanted to come here for our mountains and our nice people and our good lifestyle and our sun, which they don't have, that would be fine. But I think people who are looking at incredible rent um, housing prices going up, traffic, I was stuck on I-25 for an hour yesterday at 3 o'clock, and they're like, that should not be happening. They look at this and they're like, do we really need to pay someone, pay them $10 million and God knows how much more to come here? Do we need to do that or can we just get it on our own? It's interesting, San Antonio's already opted out of this beauty pageant. And remember, it's a beauty pageant where the contestants must bribe the judges. Um, they've, opt <laughs> they've opted out. We'll see what other cities opt out. But when you go out and talk to people about this outside, say, of boardrooms and the Chamber of Commerce and City Council, People are mad. They do not want Amazon to be paid to come here. David, uh, I think we know where you might be going uh, on this analysis, but are, are you uh, surprised by the general reaction so far that speaks to some of the points you've made in the past about rolling out the red carpet, so to speak? Well, <laughs> red carpet is just a nice little ceremonial thing. It's like when you're, you're paying people to walk on it, it, it becomes even worse. But e even without the, the welfare aspect, you know, where the... the the people slogan I who are trying to do this is is come to Colorado and, and so you can go on welfare. Um, even without the corporate welfare aspect to it, I don't want them to come. They're, as Patty said, housing prices are making it next to impossible uh, for people, you know, buying their first home in Denver to actually be able to a, a afford a home. Uh, this will make it all the worse. Our economy is doing fine without them. 
And part of the reason we have a good economy and a good quality of life in Colorado is people can go to the mountains and enjoy the outdoors, and I think that improves their, their character in all kinds of ways. And already that system is so overstrained with the incredible traffic jams uh, that exist on, on I-70, 50,000 more people is just going to make that all the worse. So instead of live in Colorado and, and recreate in, in the mountains, it, it's going to be like living in San Francisco where the, maybe there's a lot of good stuff nearby, but you can't ever get to it because the city's so full of traffic jams. And besides that, our Constitution outlaws corporate welfare. I know the courts don't enforce it, and, and most elected officials don't care about their oaths uh, to the Constitution, but they ought to, and uh, the people ought to uh, stand up for our Constitution and say no wealth, no corporate welfare for any business. I really have to, we got, we, we got all the way back to the Constitution part. I was kind of counting on, the, on that kind of connection. That's good. Eric, uh, Denverites, even people in Colorado, getting angry about growth and actually not wanting something to happen. Uh, does it seem like history repeating itself? It is history repeating itself. I've not seen an issue, A, that catalyzes quite this quickly, and where you cannot divide people by the typical dividing lines. This is not left and right, Democrat and Republican, old, young. I, I, I mean, I think the sensitivity out there crosses all those lines. I have not seen an issue in a very long time, Dominic, where there is such a disconnect between what I call elite opinion, boardroom opinion, high government level opinion that is, you know, wetting itself over um, the prospect of getting Amazon here and broader public opinion, which is very leery and very dubious of this proposition. In terms of history, uh, you know, some of us are dating ourselves at this table, but it sure smacks to me a lot like 1972, or really 1970, two years in advance of 1972, when all the powers that be, governor on down, chamber of commerce leader, etc., were wedding themselves and bringing the Winter Olympics to Colorado, and then it got petitioned on by an aspiring young politician, Dick Lamb, who became my mentor, more importantly, became the 12-year governor of this state, who led an effort, put it on the ballot, and the voters resoundingly said, thanks, but no thanks. Whether this will follow that path, I don't know, but if there is subsidy involved, as clearly there is, there is that potential that voters could be heard from. There is a disconnect here. Ultimately, Amazon, I don't know what Jeff Bezos and the other people in the executive suite of Amazon are thinking, but I think there is a school of thought that they need to make not just an economic decision, but almost a national, call it patriotic decision. And do they send this to a growth city like a Denver? That is doing quite well. Or do they use this to, to reboot an old, aging Midwestern industrial city, and I'm going to be very curious to see where they where they come down. Penn, you've worked with a, a variety of state agencies when you were a, a lawmaker. Do you think that if the uh, e Office of Economic Development folks were here to, I don't want to say defend themselves, but to give them their point of view, they might say, yeah, I understand we're really uh, packed right now full of people and the economy's doing well, we don't want 50,000 more people, but guys, in five, ten years, you may not feel that way, this is the long play. What do you think is the right play for folks in government in approaching an opportunity like this? You know, this is difficult because I think Eric's right. Uh, typically, folks in government and the Chamber of Commerce type, their instinct is to go out and get this business opportunity. They see the opportunity for growth, enhancing the vitality of the community. 50,000 jobs is no drop in the bucket. Um, and just the cachet of having 
uh, a company like Amazon put their, their second headquarters here, it's too big to resist. And so you, you've got to go after it. But, but I think Eric's right. There, is a, there seems to be a disconnect because what, what I hear people saying is that, you know, traffic is horrible, downtown is horrible because half the lanes are now limited to buses, the other half belong to the bicycles, and nobody can ever find a bicycle in a bike lane downtown. Uh, we can't park anywhere, and now you're going to bring 50,000 more people in, and I'm not going to get one of these jobs that pays 100 grand a year, so why do I want more people crowding and congesting? And the chamber types will tell you, well, no, if we do this, it'll spur more economic activity, it'll bring more tax revenue in, and it'll more than pay for itself. But people always forget the, the very Byzantine impacts of Tabor. And one of the things we have seen on the state and local level over time repeatedly is that when your revenues grow faster than what Tabor allows you to grow, it's just a wasted opportunity which is why we have the problem now with congested highways and dilapidated infrastructure and things falling apart, which is partly why the city's got a nearly billion-dollar bond package on the ballot for November, because we have not been able to maintain infrastructure consistent with growth, and part of that is because Tabor won't let us. So we can bring in Amazon, and it may generate a whole bunch of economic activity and revenue, but the reality is we aren't going to be able to use it all. Controversy over a proposed smoking ban on the 16th Street Mall has reignited the debate over Denver's treatment of the homeless at a city council meet, committee meeting on Wednesday. If approved, individuals caught smoking or vaping within 50 feet of the mall could be fined up to $100. David, some folks are posing this as an attack on the homeless, uh, some as a health issue. How do you see it? I think it is malicious, mean-spirited, and intolerant. There were when anti-smoking got going as a movement, there were some constructive things it did, like on airplanes where even have, segregating them at the back, it's still one air circulation system, so sort of everybody's breathing smoke a lot, and especially the, the people who were, you know, stewardesses, for example, constant exposure. This is a million miles removed from that. This is about a bunch of prigs who are so offended by the idea of somebody Prig with smoking. a G. P-R-I-G-S. Just want to clarify. Prig good. <laughs> you, you could sp there's other spellings, too, that would, that would, would work, but we won't go Let's there. Stay with Prig. That's um, And they smell some smoke, and they're like, oh, I'm, so, I'm injured. Oh, take me to the hospital. Secondhand smoke, which is just a bunch of uh, narcissistic uh, hypochondria. Uh, that they think this is some danger of uh, transient exposure of a, a few seconds uh, or, or a minute or whatever. And to show how this has nothing at all to do with health, it's, they also want to ban vaping, which has no health impact for anyone else in the area. At, it's beneficial for people, it's very beneficial for people who are giving up conventional cigarettes and moving to vaping. It's far better for their health, and there is no secondhand smoke issue at all. And as for the, the homeless, uh, homeless people, many of them are mentally ill. It is well documented that nicotine helps with certain mental illnesses, including schizophrenia. So you're, you're actually taking away the ability of people who are in a rough situation uh, to self-medicate to some degree. 
Well, Eric, again, you have to follow a very uh, milquetoast opinion from, from uh, David. But where do you stand on this, and what should a city like Denver, how should a city like Denver be approaching this? The 16th Street Mall has been rife with issues, good and bad. It's a central part of our downtown, but it's had a lot of different problems. How do you react to this idea? Tough issue. I hope not to be a prig here with a G. <laughs> uh, I'll acknowledge what the powers that be are unable to acknowledge. I don't think this is fundamentally about smoking or secondhand smoke. If it was, and then it's, you know, that battle has been fought. It's been largely won by the anti-tobacco advocates. I wouldn't wholly, wholly disagree with David, maybe in part. This is about the 16th Street Mall. And I will defend that the city and the citizens of Denver and the taxpayers of Denver and the people who are the economic engine of Denver have a right and almost a duty to be concerned about that mall. It is the goose that lays the golden egg. A city needs a vibrant, attractive, welcoming, hospitable urban core, urban center. The mall has become anything but that. I have to believe that this is part, one small part, of a strategy to clean up the mall. To go, you're not going to drive the homeless traffic out of downtown, but, you know, it's 50 feet. You can go 50 feet. Um, if somebody needs their nicotine fix because of schizophrenia or whatever, to David's point, you're not taking that option away from them. You're just saying, get off the mall. I don't know if it's going to be effective, but um, something has to change on the mall. And if this is one part, if it's the total strategy, then it's lost. But if it is one part of a multi-part strategy, I'm okay with it. Penn, if uh, City Council President Elvis Brooks was the one who proposed this, if he called you up for advice, pursue it, change it, drop it, what's your advice? Uh, I'd say drop it. I'd say that I agree with you wholeheartedly because I agree with Eric. I think this goes to his point, and, and I've talked about this before. The 16th Street Mall has fallen into disrepair, and it's got problems. I think the city's made some right steps, correct steps, by increasing the law enforcement security presence. That's helped. You know, they and, and it needs sort of a, a beautification push. You know, more lighting, better lighting, some landscaping, some plants. Um, and some other things, there needs to be a concerted plan put in place to reinvigorate the mall. I like when they have stopped the shuttles from running in the summer when they did, I think, one day a month, and they have vendors, more vendors on the street and food vendors. That was a good idea. It got you out of your office building. You go to the mall and buy something from, from a troop food truck. But this banning smoking or trying to fix the mall with the pretext of banning smoking is problematic. And one other thing, when I first heard this and I saw they included vaping, my thought was, is city council still trying to push back over the legalization of marijuana? Is that what this is about? And I couldn't understand if that's really, as a city council, how you feel. Why did you allow dispensaries to open up on the 16th Street Mall? Why didn't you just say you can put dispensaries in other places but not near schools and not on the 16th Street Mall? I, I don't understand. There's a disconnect that doesn't make sense to me. Patty, uh, we talked about the mall a lot on this show. Is this the, the right idea to try to beautify the 16th Street Mall? 
No, if you want to beautify the 16th Street Mall, you ban ugly people. And then you hire pretty people to walk up and down the mall. You ban the really bad souvenir stores which would and bring in nice stores that are full of local goods. I mean, there are a lot of things I'd like to see on the mall, and I think the bigger problems. The problem is not the smoking. And let's also remember, this is a number one tourist attraction. Yes, they want to see pretty people. They want to see nice stores. But some of them want to smoke. They can't smoke in their hotel room. Where, there's, where are they supposed to be smoking? This is not just affecting the homeless. It's affecting visitors to Denver. It just seems the wrong prudy pants, priggish move uh, right now. And the homeless, yeah, I don't think it's just set up to get the homeless because it's going to take down a lot of other people, too. Let's get a quick take on this last one. The Colorado Supreme Court struck down a 2006 law on Tuesday that criminalizes the smuggling or transporting of immigrants for money. According to the Denver Post, Justice Richard Gabriel wanted to leave the ultimate decision to the federal government. Colorado Attorney General Cynthia Kaufman plans to appeal the decision. Eric, you're first up on this quick take. Uh, are you surprised by the decision? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, there are two attorneys at the table. You always refer to them as esteemed. I'll let others uh, <laughs> figure out if that, if that adjective applies. Uh, I'll let them opine on the law here. To me, it just speaks to the, the divisiveness of this issue. And what the Colorado Supreme Court decision said is, ultimately, this needs to be a federal solution. You can't have 50 individual state solutions to immigration. And I think the court is right about that. Penn, as Eric alluded to, you're one of our two esteemed, I'll hold to that, esteemed uh, attorneys at the table. Your thoughts? I think he's questioning David and my esteem, but <laughs> I, I will simply say um, I, I get how the judge came here, um, particularly in light of the fact that Donald Trump has made immigration, undocumented immigration, a big issue. What I think is most interesting is Cynthia Kaufman's decision to challenge the decision based on the federal preemption rationale that the judge laid down, which is going to put her at odds with the Donald Trump administration. We'll see what happens. Patty, your thoughts on this uh, striking down of a law that's 11 years old? Yeah, but it seemed like a good decision coming down from Judge Gabriel, and it matches what some of the federal judges are coming with now. This is clearly a federal decision. We've got DACA maybe getting pushed back, the decision on by uh, Trump giving Congress a little more time to deal with it, deal with immigration in general. It's going to all happen at the federal level. David, our other esteemed lawyer, your thoughts? Well, whether federal law preempts state laws when the federal government has not, when Congress has not passed something saying we want to preempt is a very intricate question, which is why this was a 4-3 decision. There are, are good arguments on both sides, and Attorney General Kaufman's job is to defend Colorado laws just about no matter what. So when it is 4-3, um, it is plausible for her to uh, uh, give it a shot in the U.S. Supreme Court. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, apparently it was the black sweater I wore last week on this show. Whoever didn't like that sweater, donate $100 to Channel 12, and I will give you the lovely sweater. A very kind way, a kind response to that thought. But that is not all. So since David's back, I can be shallow. Um, in the, you remember in the mid-'80s when no one wanted to come to Denver? No one wanted to come here. No Amazon, no nothing. And there was a TV show. The only thing booming in Denver was oil, according to Dynasty, the primetime soap opera. Dynasty, which wasn't even filmed here. Dynasty is now come back, and to add insult to injury, 
it's no longer even set in Denver. It's set in Atlanta. So let's hope those who want to lure Amazon here don't realize that even Dynasty doesn't want to be here anymore. <laughs> David. Uh, Garen, Dr. Garen Wintemute is one of the top uh, researchers on guns in the United States and takes a generally pro-control position. Uh, and he, uh, a new study by him in the journal Injury Prevention looked at whether Colorado's background check law, uh, the Bloomberg law from 2013, actually increased the number of background checks, which it did not. And the law is a failure because it's, of course, it is so badly written, it's almost impossible for people to go th to comply with it, even if they wanted to. Uh, instead of toadying to Bloomberg and the White House, the legislature would have done a better job of uh, taking more time uh, to write a law that can actually function. Eric. Well, it'd be easy to say Harvey Weinstein, but I, to me it goes well beyond him as an individual, despicable and all the rest. But there are a whole lot of A-list Hollywood celebrities who, to my thinking, willfully looked away when the evidence was all around them, the jokes were being read uh, at Oscar ceremonies, etc. And whether it's Matt Damon or Meryl Streep or George Clooney or a long list, I think there was not just ignorance but willful ignorance on their part, and uh, they need to answer for that. Penn. I could say the second Equifax hack, but I won't get into that this week. We'll wait and see what we hear. But um, Jeff Payne, the former Salt Lake City police um, officer who uh, was finally fired for his role in arresting very brutally a nurse who was trying to stop him from violating federal law and drawing blood from an unconscious patient. Time to say something nice about somebody? Patty? Confluence Park, just up the plat from where another Amazon site uh, by the Pepsi Center and uh, the um, Elitches, that's one of the proposals. But the Confluence Park is reopening on Saturday after a long makeover. It's great, and they have promised they are putting back up the plaque that has Thomas Hornsby Farrell's Two Rivers poem, which is a great poem if you've never read it. David. The U.S. Department of Justice, for a change, uh, taking the side of justice by intervening in court cases to support the rights, free speech rights of college students. Eric. Denver Public Schools. They still have a long way to go, and there's no questioning that, but the results, test results, and maybe there's too much emphasis on them, but the results announced yesterday were a high watermark for Denver, shows the district is going in the right direction as opposed to the wrong direction. All the critics out there might want to question how that, their position squares with the numbers we just saw yesterday. Penn. 17-year-old Isaac Martin, a local kid who's sort of a taekwondo prodigy, who's been teaching littler kids taekwondo, uh, is battling leukemia. And he's now in Children's Hospital and, and wish him Godspeed and, and hopefully a full recovery. Hopefully he'll put his fighting uh, expertise to uh, a good use. Given his taekwondo prowess, I wouldn't bet against him. That's all the time we have for this edition of Colorado Inside Out. I want to remind you of last week's big announcement. As you know, we've been celebrating our 25th season all year. Well, we've put together a documentary about Colorado Inside Out, and it will broadcast two weeks from tonight on October 27th at 7 p.m. But we're also putting together a live event with our partners at the Alamo Draft House in Sloan's Lake on Thursday, October 26th at 6 p.m. Seating is very limited, but you are invited to join us. Tickets are $12 each and can be purchased at drafthouse.com or at cpt12.org. For everyone here at CPT12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.